0: Rob Port, 970 WDAY, AM 93.1 FM, 701 email talk at WDAY.com. You can tweet me too, at Rob Port. We, uh, we got an exciting show coming up today. Natil, how's, uh, how's Wednesday?
1: Oh, Wednesday is great. You sound excited. It's you sound good, happy. It's, it's a good day today. Oh, that's good.
0: Uh, we have uh, we have a guest on. He is a sociologist from Rice University, also a North Dakota State University uh, graduate. Stephen Murdoch is going to be on the program. Uh, we're going to talk with him about this 2020 census question. Uh, the Commerce Department said this week uh, that the 2020 census will include a question on citizenship, despite st- strong objections from Democrats. Um, we'll talk with them about that. I mean, the, the census is really... I mean, I look at the census almost, it's it's almost a a scientific of a sort, Um, in that the point of the census is to gather data on which we can make sound policy decisions, right? I mean, we want to have good information. So we use census data to inform all sorts of information. You know, it's it's, it's not just a raw count of the population, it's demographics and employment and everything else it's a lot of information and i I think we all have an interest in in wanting that information to be as accurate as possible and i I think the democratic objection to this is that asking about citizenship is going to scare people who aren't citizens away from answering right i mean they're in this country illegally they're afraid if they tell the census workers i'm not a citizen that that may somehow lead to legal ramifications for them and for them and then the argument would skew the survey on the other hand I, you know, are, are we are we producing accurate data if we're counting non-citizens as citizens? I mean, you would think that, that quantifying citizens versus non-citizens living in our country would be something we'd want the census to do. So anyway, we'll talk with uh, Mr. Murdoch. He's a professor of this stuff. Uh, coming up at 1 o'clock at 1.30, we will do the rundown. Um, but right now, I want to talk about something. First of all, this uh, this thing with Governor Burgum. I In a moment, I want to talk about uh, Heidi Heitkamp. She she was on a she did a recorded a podcast, uh, and it was reported for Politico, um, and and she she gave sort of this defense of the Second Amendment, and I'm a little dubious. She compared Second Amendment rights to abortion rights. First of all, um, one is enumerated, one is not. By the way, uh, but then also like like was, was sort of talking like, well, you know. Uh, uh, the Second Amendment is as important to to, to, to you know, pro-Second Amendment people as, as abortion rights are to you. Because she was she was in California, and she was obviously talking to a sort of left-wing audience. And I think that was her sort of explaining that gun rights are important to people who support that, uh, as abortion rights are to people who support those. So comparing the two, okay, I, I don't want to get into an abortion debate, but I don't know that I buy her her strong stance on the Second Amendment, given some of the legislation she's... Backed. But we'll talk about that in a moment. First, I want to talk about Auditor Josh Galleon um, initiating a, an audit of Governor Burgum's office after the whole Super Bowl controversy. Uh, this is from uh, Foreign News Service reporter John Hageman's article. I quote, uh, Galleon informed Burgum in a March 22nd letter that his office would conduct a performance audit focused on, quote, travel-related expenditures and use of state resources, according to a copy of the document provided by Governor Bergham's office uh, Tuesday, March 27th. Uh, the audit will span from March 2016 uh, during then-Governor Jack Dalrymple's tenure uh, to the end of February. Now, Hageman wasn't able to reach Galleon. I reached out to Galleon, uh, and this is what he told me, because obviously I, I think the question in a lot of people's mind is, is this related to the Super Bowl thing where Governor Burgum took in the ballpark of $40,000 in, in 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 travel, like tickets to the Super Bowl and luxury accommodation and everything else? Um, and Governor Burgum ended up paying it back, but it was he got a lot of criticism over it, as well he should have. Uh, so I think the question in everybody's mind, is Galleon doing this in response to that? I asked him, he told me, quote, this is a performance audit. Uh, this was ordered outside of what I would call the normal operational audit. Uh, but he would not say that it was motivated by the Super Bowl trip. He wouldn't say one way or the other. Uh, he said, I quote, this." Is, um, he says, I'm not here to make media buzz. Uh, and he declined an offer for him to be on the program today for an interview. Uh, he continued, at this point, we need to follow our process and collect all the information. Disclosing anything would lead to a misrepresentation. I want to make sure that everything is thoroughly reviewed and vetted before we disclose anything. I wouldn't. It would not be fair to anyone involved for partial information to be disclosed. Um, so not saying that it's related specifically to the tri- trip, but he's not saying it's not related to the trip. He is saying this isn't just some regular audit that's scheduled that they're doing on a regular basis. This is something unique that he specifically has ordered. So, Natila, I like that he's doing this. I'm, I'm happy that he's doing this.
1: Yeah, I mean, it... If there turns out to be no impropriety or anything like that, then this clears up the entire issue altogether. And if there is some sort of impropriety, then we, as voters, have done our due diligence and, I guess, helped yeah. push the issue enough that we we found out the truth.
0: Now, what the audit's going to do is they're going to make sure that that all the law, all laws and policies were followed. Um, now, now part of the Super Bowl issue was that. It was revealed that the governor's office doesn't have a written policy, like a written ethics policy regarding taking this sort of, of money. Um, they're in the process of developing it, and, and they were as of earlier this year. Now, I don't know where they are in that stage now. I guess I haven't checked in on that recently, but they were developing developing it. I don't know that it's been released yet. Um, but, you know, the auditor's office is going to go in and take a look. What's, what's interesting about this is it's it's rare, and I wrote about this today. It is It's a rare thing to see a political leader do something that is not politically advantageous when they don't have to do it, right? Josh Galleon, our state auditor, is under no obligation at all to review Governor Burgum's office. This is not, again, this isn't some, some, you know, review mandated by statute. This isn't an audit he's performing. You know, because he, he has to, under some policy, this is him deciding to do this. Galleon's a Republican. Bergob's a Republican. They were both elected in 2016. And so Galleon doing this, it, I mean, I, I think it takes a little bit of courage. Now, he's saying he doesn't want to create a media buzz, and that's the right thing to do. I mean, he's in the position of just getting the facts. Like, he, the last thing he wants, the last thing he needs is to appear as though he's grandstanding. So he's being very guarded and very careful in the way he's talking about this, and that's appropriate. Um, what I think is a good thing though is that he's doing it, and, and he knows full well—he knows full well—that this is going to push the Super Bowl thing into the headlines again. He knows that, and he's—he's he's not trying to create a buzz, but y- you can't really do something like this without creating a buzz. So he's doing it, and I think that's just absolutely the right thing to do. I am—I am. I am Please, I consider this the deal. So often we, we come on the program, we talk about everything that's wrong in politics and everything that's wrong in the world. Well, here we are. Here's a safe airplane landing making news. There's a public official doing the thing that they're supposed to do. Well, good on the public, weird.
2: public official. <laughs> weird.
1: It is, it is weird, but, you know, I, I do feel, I, I think it's important that we put out the times when these types of things are happening because we do focus so much on the the plane crashes, as it were, as opposed to the safe plane landings. And that that skews our view. So let's yeah. talk about the safe plane landings.
0: I mean, do you think and again, this is not this is not an easy thing to do. I mean, do you think it's easy for Galleon to say, I, I'm going to I'm going to audit the governor. Oh, gosh, no. It's not an easy thing to announce, you know, again, because it's this is not. This is not something he's doing because of the law. I mean, he's not – he has no obligation to do this. He is choosing to do this as a part of his office. So uh, kudos to him. I, I wanted to have him on the program to talk about it. He doesn't want to create a media buzz, so he didn't want to come on. Um, but he he did say, you know, I, I guess I guess I should say he wouldn't say if it was motivated by the Super Bowl trip. And, again, I, I, think, I think the Super Bowl t- – what a boneheaded thing for Governor Burgum to do. I mean, he's still – paying for it in terms of negative headlines from that never should have done it in the first place fun fact to teal oh actually correcting maybe some fake news i propagated her on an earlier program i think i said that we had never had a democratic state auditor
1: i believe that's what you said yeah did have yeah, we? i was
0: i we have uh in from 1892
1: to 1894
0: oh so way way back that, that's since the 19th century have we had a democratic state auditor the office i was thinking of is actually public service commissioner we We have have never never had had. a democratic
1: public service commissioner since statehood yeah
0: and if you look i mean if you look we haven't had very much many democratic anything uh, going back to statehood even during that time when we had dorgan conrad pomeroy uh, that was that was an exception not the rule um north dakota likes its republicans and always has more to come straight ahead. This is the Rob Report, 701 293 888 Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. I've always
2: been wrong.
0: Welcome back, Rob Port, 970 WDY, AM 93.1 FM, 701 293 970 9329 talk at WDY.com. All right, so um, Senator Heidi Heitkamp is, and I, I think this is a very calculated move. I mean, she's obviously, she's in a tough re-election fight. She's got to get re-elected in North Dakota, which is a deeply red state, and also a state that loves its guns. Nate, would you believe it if I told you that North Dakota has a higher per capita rate of gun ownership than Texas?
1: Actually, yes, I would. Because, we do because Texas We're behind is behind Montana, but well, Texas is a very large state and has some very large metropolitan areas that are actually very liberal. Yeah. And turns out, having a very liberal Austin takes away a lot more capita than a very rural per Fargo. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and also Fargo. Fargo is liberal. Relative to the rest of North Dakota, relative to the rest of the country, um, Fargo's overall, overall not not that liberal, I would argue. Um, but anyway, to the point, uh, Senator, so Senator Heitkamp, I, I think in a very calculated move, um, is going on this podcast, and all of a sudden she's out defending the Second Amendment. Now, she's largely been kind of quiet about the Second Amendment throughout most of her term, but she wants to get reelected, so now we're talking about it. Um, this is a quote. This was from the podcast was from Politico. It's called the Women Rule Podcast. Uh, and it's, um, it's, it's done by Politico. And this is from their, their report of the incident. She recorded it, uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, Highcap said, I quote, I think sometimes people have a diminished sense of the Second Amendment. Uh, now again, this is from Politico. She acknowledged the political climate in California, noting that her views, quote, might make everybody kind of groan who sees the tragedy that's happened in this country as it relates to gun violence. The audience visibly tensed as Heitkamp continued to push her perspective, at some points audibly questioning her reasoning. But the senator explained that she herself has a, quote, real kind of visceral reaction to the lack of appreciation or understanding about how people feel about the Second Amendment and how people feel about restrictions on the Second Amendment. Heitkamp compared her feelings to those of abortion rights supporters. Quote, restrictions on your reproductive rights. Think about how strongly you feel about evaluating those restrictions. That's how strongly people in North Dakota and Indiana and other places feel about restricting their Second Amendment. Um, Okay, so Senator Icapp's out there. She's saying, well, you know, uh, basically comparing gun rights to abortion rights, which which fine. I I do not want to get into a debate about abortion. I think that's beside the point. Um, The status quo, the law of the land now per the Supreme Court is that abortion is a right. Um, so that's, that is what it is. We can maybe have a debate about that some other time, but for now, let's just stipulate to that idea. Um, my problem with her comparing those two things is I'm wondering if Senator Heitkamp would be okay with denying women access to abortion because the government put them on a secret list for secret reasons. And the only way they could get off that list and get access to an abortion is if they show up in court and prove to a federal judge that they should have the right to exercise their right to an abortion or exercise because that's essentially what Senator Heitkamp is doing with gun rights. Now, she's posturing herself as a supporter of the Second Amendment, although I think it's very interesting. Like, if you read the way she's talking about this, she's she's talking about how people feel about the Second Amendment, not how she feels about the Second Amendment, but how people feel about the Second Amendment. It kind of makes it sound like She's talking about those of us here in North Dakota, but isn't necessarily including herself in with our view with the Second Amendment. I don't know. That's something I read into it. Whatever. Um, Senator Heitkamp has supported legislation, co-sponsored it, alongside Maine Senator Susan Collins, which would remove gun rights from people on the government's no-fly list. It's called the no-fly, no-buy bill. And it's hardly sort of proposal somebody who believes that gun rights would support Because you could be on the no-fly list right now and not even know it. Government doesn't have to tell you you're on it. They don't even have to tell you the criteria for why they put people on it. Nobody knows who's on this list. But you could be on it, and if you go to buy a gun, you could be denied your ability to buy a gun because you're on this list. Now, that is not due process. The Fifth Amendment to the Constitution guarantees us due process. The government cannot remove our life, liberty, or property without due process of law. The government just putting you on a list for some secret reason Is not due process, nor is it Senator Heitkamp believes this provision of the bill satisfies the due process requirement. She says if you're denied your ability to buy a gun, you could show up before a federal judge and tell that judge, demonstrate to that judge that you should be eligible to exercise your Second Amendment right. That's not how it works. The government doesn't get to deny you your rights until you prove that you're allowed to exercise them. That is not due process. That turns the entire concept of due process on its head. You are not guilty until proven innocent. And so what's funny is here we have Senator Heitkamp out, um, you know, before a liberal audience in California, casting herself as this proponent of the Second Amendment. Well, simultaneously, simultaneously, co-sponsoring legislation, that would uh, make you guilty until proven innocent if you can't buy a gun because you're on the no-fly list. And, and by the way, that's not me objecting to this. The ACLU objects to this. The ACLU has described this legislation as Kafka-esque. Now the ACLU is not exactly an organization that's big on the Second Amendment. They're not exactly an organization that's big on guns. But even they recognize that you cannot deny people their constitutional rights without due process of law. Now, again, Senator Heitkamp's comparing gun rights to abortion rights. That's her comparison. Would she support putting women on a list, a secret list, for secret reasons, and denying them the right to an abortion until they showed up in court and demonstrated that they should be able to exercise the right to abortion? I don't think she would, but she will do that for gun rights, which undermines her entire argument that she's a supporter of the Second Amendment. Doesn't make any sense. 701-293-9000, Email talk at wda I've got the links to all this up at sayanythingblog.com if you want to take a look at this. Uh, let's get to the calls. John, you're on. What's up?
2: Good afternoon. And as usual, Rob Port is spot on. You know, if if half the people out there would pay half as much attention to stuff that goes on, you know, in politics as you do or I do, the world would be a much more interesting place. You know, Heidi just cracks me up with her high-fiving her schmucky humor, you know, over the uh, funding for Planned Parenthood. And she sends me, you know, an email talking about how she's all about gun rights, and she supported all these no-brainer votes following Sandy Hook, you know, that were just arbitrarily going to strip everybody of everything. She brags about how she's supporting S-2135 and S-2495, you know, to fix Nix and improve school safety, but she will not support S-446, which would do this very similar things, and yet give me national reciprocity, finally, as a concealed carry holder in this country. You know, it, 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 it just amazes me how she talks off both sides of her mouth trying to, trying to pander to us, and, and, and to me it's the pandering and the classic style of politicians. We ask why nothing gets done in this country. It's because they do not respect our rights as citizens anymore. They just, they pander to well, both sides, they do as little as, as humanly possible, and then campaign all the time to keep in office.
0: It's, it's frustrating, especially because all of a sudden it's an election year, and now we're hearing from Senator Heitkamp of this, this support of the Second Amendment, which, which by the way, though, as, as I pointed out and as you pointed out, is undermined by the legislation she supports. John, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, email or Josh corrects me. We have had a Democratic Public Service Commissioner, Bruce Hagan, from 1961 to 2000. I read the chart wrong. So we did have a... <laughs> I read the chart wrong. It, I, got, might, I, got, I got I got corrected. Have, I'll admit have it. I'll to give this one up. I'll give this one up. I, although I do think it's pretty interesting. No auditor, like, since the 19th century... We had no, we had no Democratic state auditors in the 20th century. I, d- I do think that's kind of funny. Anyway, more to come straight ahead here on the Rob Report. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM, 701 293 email talk at wdy.com. Thought about Senator Heidi Heitkamp and the, uh, and the gun control thing. Uh, the two, what do you think if, if we told Senator Heitkamp, hey, we got this bill, Senator, uh, and we're going to deny women access to abortion because we put them on the secret government list for secret reasons, but don't worry. If they find themselves unable to get an abortion, they can go to a judge and explain why they deserve one.
1: See, and I have a I have a completely different view of the comparison than than you do because you're, you're you're really focused on this particular issue. But what what I'm seeing is a comparison between the importance of the issue for gun rights advocates and for abortion advocates, and on top of that the it's it's sort of a a microcosm of the rhetoric that we see around both of those issues when someone who doesn't know very much about guns or something like that talks about gun rights when it comes to gun ownership the gun ownership and gun rights activists and advocates will ask them to you know talk about the difference between an ar-15 and and another type of of rifle yeah see but i'm not that's that's no, not but, the argument I'm making. No, I know, wow. I know that's not the argument you're making, but, I see, but what I'm seeing is that you're so focused on the argument that you're making that you can't really separate yourself from it to see any other larger points that may have come across in what but Senator I, Heidkamp was trying to say.
0: See, but I think you've got, to, my, my argument is you've got to... treat. My argument is that she is supporting legislation that undermines the Second Amendment rights. You, you cannot treat rights that way. If something is a right...
1: No and I and I agree with you. I I do not agree with Senator Hyde support of the no fly no buy. Right. Bill.
0: See, but then that undermines like she goes to Los Angeles and she's making this defense of the second amendment and I think that's calculated. I mean all of a sudden in an election year she's she's doing this so, sort of being a very high profile dissenter from the rest of her party on the second amendment. It's not really something she's done the other six years she's been in office. Even when she cast that, she was the deciding vote on that gun control legislation in, what was it, 2013? You know, she was the deciding. Even then, it wasn't like she was out making these pro Second Amendment arguments everywhere in this high profile way. Now all of a sudden, it's election year. Now all of a sudden, she wants to be seen as a Second Amendment hero, but she's got a problem, which is the no fly, no buy list, which treats the Second Amendment right as though it were a privilege. It's not a privilege. Neither is abortion. She made the comparison of gun rights to abortion, not me. That's not, I, I'm not making that comparison. She's making that comparison and I'm saying, well, if you follow her logic on it, then I guess we should be able to treat abortion rights the same way she wants to treat gun rights, which is denying women an abortion because we put them on a secret list. I mean, that's thats the argument that I'm making. And I, I think if Senator Heitkamp wants to be consistent, I, I guess she should be able to support this other legislation as well. I, I don't that, that's the argument I'm making. I, I don't want to go down. And I don't want to have a debate about whether or not abortion is or is not a right. That's not what it's about. Like it or not, Roe v. Wade makes abortion a right in this country. We can have a debate about whether or not that should be the case or whether or not that was adjudicated properly. We've been having that debate for decades, and that's okay. But in this instance, rights need to be treated equally. I, I don't buy the idea that Senator Heitkamp is a is a believer in the Second Amendment. And I also think it's interesting the way she's talking about She's like. You know, she's talking about how important the Second Amendment is to people in North Dakota, and she's almost like keeping herself out of that. So she's standing in front of a liberal audience, and she's sort of talking about her constituency as though she's apart from her constituency. And so she's like explaining to this liberal audience, hey, I'm a liberal too, and I'm a Democrat too, but here's why I have to support the Second Amendment because all these people here in North Dakota like it, not because it's a constitutional right. Not because she believes that keeping and bearing arms is a part of it. I mean that's what I took it. Now maybe I'm wrong on that part. Maybe that's me reading into it. And I'll 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 be willing to take that criticism. But the larger point is you gotta treat rights equally under a law. Under the law. If something is a right, you can't just remove it arbitrarily. And, you know, she, she's okay with doing that with gun rights. I, I'm assuming she wouldn't be okay with doing that with abortion rights. Does that
1: make sense? Yes, that does make sense
0: yeah speaking of which let's get off this topic i i, I had this for the rundown but i kind of want to talk about it in, in a more fulsome way did you watch that the the new roseanne um
1: no because TV? i don't i don't have over the air uh television yeah, see, neither. capabilities neither right now so but it it should be on hulu now tonight and i will yeah. watch it at that point see, i'm gonna
0: i'm gonna do that too i'm kind of excited about it i'm super excited about it uh now were you a fan
1: of the show back in the day it was, a little bit, it was a little bit too adult for me when I was growing yeah. up. Uh, it was just a little bit ahead of me. But going back to it, I really, enjoy, like, I really enjoy watching reruns of it and things like that. And I enjoy the sort of microcosm story it was telling about life in a more average American home. You know, a home with problems, yeah. a home with people that aren't beautiful, what right. have you. I think
0: what I'm excited about it is that – obviously, because, obviously, Roseanne Barr in real life is, is pro-Trump. Uh, I don't know that I would go so far as to call her, like, Republican or conservative, uh, but she's a Trump supporter. Doesn't like Mike Pence, but likes Donald Trump. Um, so, I don't know. I, I would – and I'm trying to be very careful here. I would describe her as maybe she's I think she's very socially liberal. I think maybe in some other ways she's right of center. But she's a Trump supporter. So maybe it's fair to put her in the right of center category right now. Is that fair to you? I,
1: I think it would be fair to call her right of center. I think that's yeah. that's completely fair. I don't know that I'd go so far as to call her a Republican, but right of center. conservative, Right. Right. Right.
0: Right of center. Right of center. I, I would say that's fair. What I'm excited about is having a right because she's going to portray if she is portraying a Trump supporter on the show as well. And what makes me excited is here we're going to have a portrayal of somebody who's right of center on a major television show, and and that's not a caricature, or that doesn't have that person portrayed perhaps as – and I, I haven't seen the show yet, so I'm this is what I'm gleaning from everything that's been written and said about it. But I'm excited to have a character that, that represents me in a way, although I'm probably not as much of a Trump supporter as, as Roseanne Barr herself is. Uh, but I'm definitely right of center, and I'd like to see right of center characters portrayed in movies and televisions in a more fair way. Because most of the time, we're either just completely missing, and our point of view isn't there at all. Or if our point of view is there, we're portrayed as being wrong or evil or uh, greedy or what have you. I mean, not portrayed in, in flattering Ways and honestly, I think the entertainment industry needs that. Uh, and if that's if, if if the appeal and the success of Roseanne during its initial run was that it was a like you said, Natila, an accurate portrayal of, of of maybe a more real type of family, maybe it's going to serve that purpose again, where we could see in, in an age where Hillary Clinton's out calling you know the millions of Americans who voted for Donald Trump deplorables. You know, I I just just recently out in India, you know, looking down her nose at the parts of the country that didn't vote for her as racist backwards places. Maybe this is going to be a valuable exercise. Where we have a right of center character portrayed positively as somebody who is not dumb, who is not racist, who is not an awful person, who's just a real person who cares about their family, who's trying to do the best they can uh, and has a right of center point of view on the way things ought to be. I'm excited about that, Nitzel. I think it's something new.
1: I'm on. I'm. I'm on board with that as well, and I think that it it is exciting. Um, because you you know you talked about how conservative representation in the media tends to be skewed. It tends to be a, a caricature. Um, in a lot of ways, it's sarcastically, it's it's sarcastically toned, or tends to be a bit of satire. The one that comes to my mind most often is American Dad, which is 100 percent satire of the conservative Republican average Joe home. Right. And I think that having something with a conservative individual in a loving, stable home that, you know, still has its problems and is still it's it's still it's not perfect and it's still funny but isn't necessarily a caricature of that type of person, is going to be very helpful for a lot of liberal people to look at. Similarly, I think something that would be reversed would be helpful for conservatives who look at liberals in not positive lights. Yeah, Because a lot of what conservatives See see with liberals is the highfalutin... Uh, see but, but we get types
0: but but the portrayals i mean just about everybody who's on these tv shows is left of center like like the characters are, are left of center the good guys are anyway
1: well on, on a lot of on a lot of the sitcoms and things like that yeah but sitcoms haven't necessarily been popular in the last decade yeah
0: but i'm but i mean not just sitcoms movies you know television in general i i mean the, the themes in most of these are usually not very friendly to the conservative point of view
1: no, they're they're not. But even like the left of center, like I can't think of I can't think of any major character that's been actively portrayed as specifically an outwardly left of center. Yeah, like I don't. It's never See, really. See, but most it's of the time, really when I mean up. when it,
0: when a show decides to tackle an issue, right, whether it's poverty or homelessness or like some social issue, it's usually taken from a left of center point of view. Yes. And I, I, I could tell you as a conservative, we feel left out. Now, now listen, I mean we conservatives just have to learn to deal with the fact that most of the musicians we like and the authors and the actors and the directors and everybody else don't agree with us politically. We just have to accept that. It's just the way of the world. Um and it's it's not always an easy thing. And so I, I think it's it's nice. And I'm not looking for hagiography. I'm not looking for something that that lionizes conservatism or that paints, you know, conservatives as being right all the time. I just want a fair portrayal. Just I, I just I just want people who see the world like I do to not be the bad guy, for once. That would be nice. And by the way, I mean you talk about like like satirizing, uh, what is it? The American Dad satirizing what the right of center home might look like. Uh, where's the corresponding point of view on that from for for a left wing home?
1: I believe that would be the gay couple in American Dad that oh, lives across okay. the street. I don't
0: watch the show. Oh, maybe it is. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I, there's Portlandia too.
1: Oh, yeah, there is is Portlandia. Portlandia
0: is pretty hilarious. I do like that. Everybody deserves to be lampooned, by the way. I don't care who you are. Everybody can do with a bit of satirizing. More to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at wday.com. Did you watch the Roseanne premiere? What did you think? Love to hear from you. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
1: Yes, I know where you go. Yes, I know.
0: Welcome back, Rob Port 970, WDY AM93.1 FM. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDY.com. Um Emailer says we were talking about the new the new premiere of, of the reboot, right? That's what we're calling this a reboot.
1: It's not even a reboot necessarily, it's just uh it's it's like a sequel. It's because, just
0: them years later.
1: Yeah, it's it's literally them years later. They're playing the same characters. It's it's now, the same story. Did they get story. all the same?
0: Did they get all the same actors?
1: Yes, back? that's
0: amazing. Good for them. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it, and I'm I'm looking forward to a, a positive portrayal of a of a right of center person, um, and and overtly so. I mean, they're they're defi- I mean, it, it's not just somebody who maybe has some Republican tendencies or, or right of center tendencies that's on a show. It's it's somebody who I, I mean they're making an issue. I mean this is something that they're sort of building a storyline around, and I th- I think that's important because we don't do this now. An emailer called in or sorry, wrote in uh, and said that uh, Last Man Standing was a right of center show. Now I've never watched Last Man Standing. Did you see this?
1: I didn't either. Um, the 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 person mentioned it, and I I would have no reason to doubt that, but I never saw any of Last Man Standing. I think. Last Man Standing really started picking up steam uh, when like right when we dropped cable and everything. So I it, it wasn't on Netflix, so I didn't have access to it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Tim Allen, by the way, who, who started the show is he's a Republican uh, in real life. And he uh, that show was, was canceled and there was controversy over canceling it. I, and I'm, I'm just reading here. Uh, Tim Allen went on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And talked about being a Republican in Hollywood is like 1930s Germany. You got to be careful. Uh, you'll get beat up if you don't believe what everybody believes. Uh, now he got a lot of criticism for that, but but a lot of people saying that Last Man Standing, which at the time it was canceled, was the second most viewed show on ABC. That the reason it was canceled was was political. Now I I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, I think Tim Allen believes that. I guess he would know better than I do. But. Uh, I don't want to say there's no examples of it. I'm just – are few and far between, and I think we'd be better off, particularly as a country. I I think politics is downstream from art, Natil, um, and so I think, I think maybe a lot of our maybe a lot of our division in this country, a lot of our faction in this country comes from the fact that the entertainment industry isn't a lot of times very fair in the way they portray us, and and I'm I'm, I'm not saying not just Republicans or, or conservatives or, or what have you, but also, uh, you know, I homosexuals in the media and, and the way they're portrayed, maybe not so much. I think it's getting a lot better, but in years past, I mean, first, it's like, like do you think Will and Grace, as, as groundbreaking as it was, and, and I guess sort of breaking the barrier and having gay characters, um, do you, I mean, do you feel like that was a positive portrayal of homosexual men? For Will,
1: especially, yes. Yeah. Because he but some of
0: the other characters were very.
1: Jack was very stereotypical. Jack was very yeah. um, feminine and sort of that that flouncy type that is stereotypically thought of. But that was a product of the times, in a yeah. lot of ways. Because at that point in time, the movement for accept, acceptance was not nearly as intense as it is as it is now. Yeah, uh, but. You you still get that type of representation in the media for homosexual individuals. A lot of ways, it it's the feminine men and the butch women. Yeah, is Which often is... what's portrayed, and that's that's a part of that's a part of the spectrum, and no I, doubt. But and I, I and
0: I get I get it, and and there's archetypes and there's caricatures, and sometimes that's just what you're dealing with in in art. Um. But I, I, I think the problem is is that the only a, a lot of times well, I guess what I see as a conservative is, a lot of times the only portrayal that right of center people ever get is is caricature or, or satire or, or whatever. And I, I think we're, I think we're better off if the portrayals were more, more well-rounded and, and we're more I think there's more to be won. I mean listen, roughly half of the country votes Republican in any given election. You know, maybe it, it varies back and forth, but it's just it's uh, it's a frustrating thing to me as as a conservative. I would like to see more positive portrayals of people who see the worry that I do. Uh, emailer Ethan says one of the guys in the gay couple on the show is a conservative, by the way, talking about uh, American dad. So maybe I'll have to watch American dad. I've never seen the show, but it's interesting. Also, I like the idea of uh, gay Republicans being uh, portrayed because you know what? They exist. Yeah, That's you, a won't, real you won't like
1: that portrayal.
0: Oh, all right. Uh, More to come, hour two, coming up, straight ahead, don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM, Hour 2. We're going to talk about the census. Uh, the 2020 census is uh, going to include a question about citizenship. Uh, now, I'm reading this is from The Hill.com. Democrats have raised concerns that adding the question would result in an inaccurate population count because it would discourage some immigrants from fi- filling out the questionnaire given the Trump administration's crackdown on those in the country illegally um and this is from uh commerce secretary wilbur ross who oversees the uh, the census bureau uh his rebuttal to that is quote the census the citizenship data provided to the doj will be more accurate with the question than without it which is of greater importance than any adverse effect that may result from people violating their legal duty to respond um here to talk with me about that is Steve Murdoch. He is a professor of sociology at Rice University, uh, and also Steve, as we discussed yesterday, a graduate of North Dakota State University. Uh, hello, hello. Yeah, you're on, Steve.
3: What's up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, not not much. Just uh, waiting for your
0: call. Yeah. Uh, you uh, you graduate from from North Dakota State University, so you're uh, familiar uh, with our part of the world.
3: Oh yes, yes, and uh, and uh, so did my brother. So. So uh, two of our three siblings uh, graduated from there.
0: So, Well, let's let's talk about this census issue. Um, how, how concerned should we be about, I mean, should we be concerned at all? What, what do you make of the, the census asking this question? And, and I guess the argument kind of breaks down to accuracy. Um, Democrats are arguing that if, if this question is included, uh, illegal immigrants aren't going to want to respond to it for fear of being arrested, and that's going to skew the count. Uh, but... We have Trump's head of the Commerce Department saying that the data is going to be more accurate with the question than without. Who do you think is right?
3: Well, I mean, it's a, the issue is not who's right or wrong so much as it is which one, which way do you in, ensure that you include uh, as respondents everyone who is appropriately so in your population? Uh, meaning in in a less concluded way of saying that uh, is, uh, do we count everyone? Uh, And I think the concern for people who are worried about this this new question on, are you a citizen, uh, is that we do have in the United States uh, uh, people who are not citizens, but who uh, use uh, resources, who provide services, uh, we have some fields, uh, particularly in the in in the service areas, uh, that have large numbers of people who are not uh, necessarily are not citizens at this point in time. Uh, and so, the really the issue becomes: what if if I'm a government, uh, I want to have information that tells me how many people I'm serving in various capacities, and I want uh, a way so I can claim that when I go uh, to whoever my uh, my boards or my legislature or whoever it is uh, of of uh, obtaining the resources necessary to to uh, to uh, provide services.
0: Well, what about the argument? Because obviously, this is about illegal immigrants. I mean, the people who would be afraid of answering that question are here illegally.
3: Well, uh, wait a minute. Let's let's. There are lots of different types of people. There are people who, yes, uh, snuck across the border, knew they were doing that. Uh, There are people who came on perfectly legal uh, visas and uh, uh, and uh, overstayed them. Okay. Um, So uh, and and there are people who are in the process. Let's say they got married to a U.S. citizen, and they're in the process of of Mm -hmm. uh, getting. Uh, citizenship; um, those latter ones would all be non-citizens, but they wouldn't be illegal citizens or undocumented citizens. Uh, in 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 terms of uh, well, you know, somebody who overstayed
0: category. their visa, somebody who overstayed their visas. I mean, that's problematic, right? I mean, if if you overstayed, that's problematic for them.
3: Yes, yes. yeah. Um,
0: yes. You know, the other the others. I, I guess I I'm not sure why why they would be so scared, but regardless what about the argument where, I mean, obviously we want the census to have good data because we, you turn around and use this data to make, to inform all, all sorts of different policies. What about yeah, the argument? Was, yeah. Why why do, why do we care about so much? Like, why do we want to provide extra resources to an area based on the fact that they have a lot of illegal immigrants? I mean, I'm, and I'm not making this argument myself, but I suspect that arguments out there where people are saying, well, they're illegal immigrants The taxpayers shouldn't be providing them services to begin with.
3: Well, uh, <laughs> the other part of that is: Are they providing a service to the pop- to the areas that they're living in? In other words, if they were just uh, there and you know not doing any work and and receiving uh, various forms of of, uh, of business services, public services, whatever you want to say, uh, that's a little bit different than if they're uh, in areas of the country, for example, where they are the main providers. Of various kinds of services, in which case they, they, you know, the question. I mean, they are in fact uh, adding to the economy, not subtracting from it. People assume that they are only subtracting. That is, that is not true. Uh, We have significant parts of our uh, our financial base in many parts of the country that are being provided uh, from taxes and those sorts of things that come from from Uh, undocumented workers if you're you know if you go to work for a major company uh they don't say well if you're if you're not a documented u.s citizen uh, you don't have to pay taxes they're going to take it out of your tax out of your paycheck just as they are you know fred down the 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 way that was uh you know born in bismarck
0: do you feel like i I mean if you were in charge of the commerce department if you were in charge of the census would you ask Mm -hmm. the question about citizenship
3: I would not ask that question because it's you know it's we're we we do not use it to screen uh, people for for um, you know any kind of uh, public uh, gathering kind of thing uh, you know it would let me put it this way I would it would depend upon what the use was in or the intended use of that, that information was.
0: Well, whatever the intended use, I mean, I I think the question is, is are people going to are people going to answer it accurately? And is it going to deter people from taking the overall survey? And and we want the survey now, um, Mr. Ross, Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, who's Mm -hmm. in charge of the Uh census, he's saying the data is going to be more accurate with the question than without it. Now, I'm assuming what he's saying is that with the question, we're going to be able to quantify and, and make draw a distinction between citizens and non-citizens, setting aside the fact that maybe some non-citizens aren't going to answer it out of fear, isn't that a valuable distinction to have in the data?
3: Well, it, it certainly may be valuable, but I think it would be naive to think that if I was in the country uh, in an undocumented status, I'd just step right up and answer a questionnaire and say, yes, I'm, I'm here in an illegal status. Why would I do that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um do we know if there's any the assurance? Insure- I mean, uh, do, do we know if there's any assurance that that the that, that the federal government won't crack down on people answering that that citizenship question, saying yes, I'm here illegally?
3: No, I think. I mean, I think that that's the that this is the issue. I think that is there for some people. Now, uh, areas like where you're from, I don't think this is it's probably a big issue as it is in in the Texas or California or many other uh, large. Uh, um, and, and very, very diverse diverse states, I think the the issue that for for people on 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 the side of of uh, uh, trying to count everybody uh, and you know and man is is uh, the completeness. But I think that the other problems lie in in well, let me let me go back. I think what the issue here really uh, is, do we want a count of everyone who's a citizen, or do we want a count of everyone who we have to provide services for? And when I say have to, I mean, you know, you don't have to be a citizen to be someone getting citizenship. You don't have to be a citizen if, in fact, you spend some of your months in in the United States, but are primarily a citizen of another country. Uh, people in in uh, offices for all of the countries that have offices in various parts of the United States are, are going to have uh, rec- we are going to be required to provide services for them. Uh, they won't be citizens, but they we will know who they are from from yeah. other kinds of data. So, so it's we, we, not it's not a we, simple are they citizens yeah. or aren't they citizens kind of question.
0: Well, it, it is important. I mean, the, the census, we use the census for a lot of ways, and it's, it's really almost a scientific endeavor because we use it to collect a lot of data and to yep. inform public policy. Now, I just had a listener ask the question, what about representation? Because the initial purpose of the census was to apportion representation in Congress, specifically the House of Representatives. The listener asked, the census is going to be used to determine the number of representatives that different states and legislative districts get do we want to be counting right. illegal immigrants as people who need to be represented in Congress and in the legislature? And, and so, um, I they mean, is not, it fa- they is, are not is, 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 so
3: counted. They are not so counted. Okay. In other words, okay. there's categories of people that are other than citizens and non-citizens. There are, uh, people that are in the, for example, the political office, the offices of every country that has an office in DC or has an office in, in various areas Those are not counted as citizens and are not provided services to the same degree that that U.S. citizens are. In other words, uh, they do have a different status.
0: Well, I I guess I'm not understanding. If we're not asking about citizenship, then how are we making a distinction between citizens and non-citizens for the purposes of apportionment?
3: Well, if there is an office for, uh, since you already are, let's say there's an office for Canada. Okay. Okay. They're not going to be counted as citizens. They're going to have to register uh, as as country alien is a comment is a word, and I don't mean alien in the you know other sense. But they're going to have to register. They're going to be known for what country they're from. They are not going to be counted as citizens for in the United States. Okay, okay, vote. but what
0: if what do we we take the census and we establish that California has a certain population based on the United States census, and then based on that census, yep. uh, California is now going to gain a, you know, a seat in the United States House, and Utah yep. is going to lose one because Utah lost population or whatever. I don't know if that's accurately that, really how it'll go, that's but
3: the way it, that, that's the way it works. Yeah. Right. Okay, but, but words, what if we that's have based on 25 representatives and they are passed out on the basis of, of uh the population of of, of, uh, the of uh, citizens in in each area. But not if it, the, but not, if not it, the population of residents, but, citizens.
0: but if we're not asking about citizenship, then how do we know that all those people counted in California are citizens?
3: Well, <laughs> uh, you I mean know, should, should a California of get to should you do that but 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 uh uh you know it's it's well I don't know I don't know of any yeah. sure fired way that you see, can think, you know you can ask them Yeah. uh if if they're citizens or not but that's kind of see, silly. Uh, because well, see, if I am not if I'm someone there who is a citizen of another country and trying to get in I'm going to lie.
0: Right? It, it probably doesn't seem silly to people in Utah who lose a, a, a seat in the House to California because California's got a bunch of illegal immigrants that were counted in the census.
3: Well, they're counted. Yeah, but they're, they're not just willy-nilly counted in the census, okay? okay. In, in other words, uh, you, you do have, uh, when you come into the country, what do you have? You can't just walk into the United States. You have passports, other sorts of things. Well, some Those people are cross checked and referenced against other things so that they know if you came in from Germany two years ago, uh, you know, that you aren't a, an eligible citizen for,
0: huh. uh, for voting. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, for doing all that cross checking and everything, though, why not just ask if they're citizens? I mean, what's the big deal then?
3: You can ask that. Yeah. But they don't have to tell the truth.
0: Yeah. Right? That's true.
3: No, you're right. That's so, true. So you, you know, and 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 you know, if if you are uh, uh, you know looking at at other dimensions, uh, it it well, uh, I mean, I think we've worked out a system that works pretty well. Yeah. I don't think we have large scale evidence of of uh, uh, people uh, trying to pretend yeah. they're citizens.
2: Well, and we, I think we gotta, that the the other issue
3: the the other issue here uh, is is really one of of uh, you know what uh, well you're 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 in North Dakota, right?
0: Yes, sir. And uh, we, we got to wrap up. We're running out of time, Mr. Murdoch. So okay. we'll, we'll have well, to we'll have well, to finish my, it up another my only, time. My only point is
3: is that we certainly want uh, to have accurate records, and we want to make sure that people sure. aren't uh, doing things that are illegal in terms of our status and so forth uh but we have a, a, a very good record overall uh in terms of, for a country our size for uh admitting people that are appropriate yeah. and not admitting people who are not appropriate
0: yeah i right, thank you for your time appreciate it that's uh Stephen murdoch professor of sociology at rice university more to come straight ahead here on the rob report don't go away mm-hmm. And what you make of
1: that? It was an an interesting topic. I, I guess, to to me, it seems like a silly argument to be having. I mean, and you can you can lie about anything on the census. Like nobody's fact checking you. I mean, there's there's the expectation that you're going to be truthful. And I recently had a very long phone interview with the census about a whole bunch of stuff, and it was you know it was. Questions that you, you don't necessarily like to be asked, but you answer them, and the data yeah. is used for good purposes. But I didn't have to be truthful on any of the things I was yeah. saying either. Yeah. So it's it I seems mean, silly to me to be having an argument true. over a question being asked on a census when there's there's no like follow up to make sure that anything any of this is quote yeah. unquote true.
0: Well, I mean, if if but if that's if that's the case, then why are we why are we so concerned about like asking the question, we've asked the question on past and past census
1: surveys. Well, and, and that's you're, what that's what I'm saying is that it seems silly to be having this this argument. It yeah. like it it does. I don't think it's bothersome one way or the other to be asking the question or not yeah. asking the question.
0: Are you worried at all? I mean, because you're right, you could just lie about your citizenship, but we do use this to apportion Congress. Is it is it fair that California might have extra members of the House of Representatives because they have a big illegal immigrant population? Is that fair no no it's, to say utah or north dakota no or? it's it's
1: not but at the same time i don't think that i don't think that those individuals are like the people the illegal immigrants that get asked the question i don't think they're going to be truthful about it anyways because yeah. if they're if they are truthful about it then what happens to them
0: well i, I think i think the larger issue is rather than debating about this through the lens of the census we've got to do something about illegal immigration
1: well, absolutely. We and... got to
0: stop it from happening, and we've got to figure out what we're going to do with the people who are already here. I mean, and I don't—I don't know that there's one answer for all of them. You know, the criminals should go back. The ones who have come here and committed crimes or whatever should go back. Maybe there's a path for citizenship for others. I'm willing to have that debate, mm-hmm. but I—I I, I think what this, I think what this illustrates more than anything is that this sort of gray area that we've created around the immigration question is not good. And and manifests itself as a problem in uh in maybe some surprising areas. All right, more to come. All well, the rundown coming up next is the Rob Report 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Don't go away.
2: The Rob Report. The Rob Report on 970 WDAY. The rundown.
0: All right, Natil, what do we got?
1: Well, since we already talked about Roseanne, let's start off with Playboy has deleted its Facebook accounts. And they're not the first business to do so, actually. There's been a lot doing it. Uh, One of the most high profile was Elon Musk. He got rid of uh, all of the Facebook accounts associated with himself and um, Tesla and SpaceX.
0: Yeah, it's... um... I wonder if it's a trend that's really going to continue, though, because I, when, when I heard Playboy was doing it, I kind of, I kind of felt like a little bit like, is a publicity thing, right? It, I mean, they're seemed... high profile and they could get a lot of attention for themselves by doing it. But how much was Playboy getting from Facebook to begin with?
1: See, and I, I agree with you there. For for Playboy, it definitely seems that way. For when Elon Musk did it, it wasn't a publicity stunt. I don't that's... think.
0: That's pretty big
1: because well, when he he made something, he made like a an offhanded statement on Twitter about uh, how he was glad that he didn't have a personal Facebook account, but if he did, he'd yeah. delete it. And someone called him out and was like, "Well, why why does SpaceX still have an account?" And he and so then he like, in Look. the next like five minutes had deleted glad SpaceX's account and uh, <laughs> and Tesla's accounts and was like, "Well, done."
0: Good point. Um, you know, it's an interesting question because obviously, I mean, when you look at the way Facebook has been integrated with some companies, I mean, really, both Facebook and Twitter have become integral to, like, like those of us here in the media. I mean, sharing our content on social media for form communication is a big part of our job. Well, now, and we a, lot are, of,
1: a lot of small businesses only have Facebook websites, like small restaurants and things like that yeah. don't have their own website. They just have a Facebook page.
0: So what you have is I mean you have businesses you have that, that are integrating Facebook and, and then inviting their customers to engage with them through Facebook. And we put Facebook widgets of you know we have Facebook comments on some websites. Uh, we have you know the embedded you know Facebook you know flair where you can click to share the articles and we get you know counts of how many shares or whatever are there. Uh, and, and even in, in some instances you log into certain websites using facebook so i mean the the integration is i I think for a while there facebook was really making a bid to become sort of the fabric of the internet and i i think at at peak use and i I think they're down a little bit from their peak but facebook was very close to being the fabric of the internet it almost reminded me until back in the days where you would get on through, like, AOL or through Prodigy, and there was no World Wide Web. You were just sort of on these closed-up yeah, walled you, you gardens. Yeah, you basically
1: paid for AOL, and AOL was the Internet.
0: Right. You know, you had these sort of walled gardens. We used Prodigy. Uh, but, yeah, it was sort of these walled gardens online. And I think that's very much what Facebook wanted. Now, the problem is, is that, you know, with, with the privacy and, and the concerns about what they're doing with their data, I mean, if you're a company and you're inviting people to, you know, inviting people to log into your business with with a Facebook login or inviting them to share your content on Facebook or to interact with your content or your business through Facebook you're also inviting them to share a bunch of data with Facebook what's Facebook doing with that data you have no control over it um for our business I also don't think that it was good I I think for a while there newspapers and and a lot of media companies are becoming very dependent on the traffic that Facebook was driving now I think we're moving away from that and even Facebook itself has de-emphasized um you know, sharing from pages. So I think that business model is, is, is not viable anymore. Um, but I don't know. I I am glad to see Facebook sort of knocked down. I, I think anytime you have an entity that is so monolithic, uh, it should mo- be knocked down and and I'm glad we're doing it. And I'm glad we're largely doing it without government regulation too, by the way, I, I think people are just, they're starting to recognize some of what Facebook is and they're changing their behaviors accordingly uh, and that's a good thing. Do you think Facebook? I mean, do you think we'll get to a point where Facebook goes the way of like MySpace?
1: Well, <laughs> if you had asked me that a month ago, I would have laughed and said no. That Facebook has got enough legs to be going on for years and years and years at this point, far longer than MySpace and probably far longer than most other things on the internet. After this scandal, I don't know. I've. I can see a lot of people ditching their Facebook accounts. Even a lot of people in, uh, in my generation or younger than me don't use Facebook anymore. Facebook is for old people is the thing yeah. I hear from, from younger people. Like when I say younger people, I mean like high schoolers and younger. Like Facebook is for old people. So yeah. I, I there's, think... still, there's
0: still a lot of old people in the world. <laughs> yeah, but, but, I mean, that's, but, that's but old the thing. people
1: are also way more concerned about their data protection than younger people are. I'm not, I don't know that that's necessarily true.
0: I think younger people are are, are, are in a lot of ways, savvier.
1: Well, they're and, savvier, and yes, so they know how to protect it better, which means that when the data that is being collected from them, they're not so concerned about.
0: It, it's, it's easy to be more sensitive about what people know about you when you have, like, a job, and you don't necessarily want to be exposed in that way. I, I, I get that. Um, I don't know. It's hard to imagine. Even now, it's hard to imagine Facebook. I mean, first of all, MySpace never achieved the sort of ubiquity that Facebook has.
1: Well, no, but at the same time, MySpace existed on a time on the Internet where not nearly as many people were using the Internet. Right. It was not nearly as accessible.
0: So, I don't know. I, I guess we could. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. I mean, no, creative, I, creative destruction, um, you know, it'll get replaced by something. There's companies clearly,
1: rise and fall. It's the way of the world.
0: There's clearly a demand for... There's clearly a demand for the sort of services that Facebook provides. It's just maybe people aren't going to want Facebook to provide them anymore or or to get so much of it from from one place. But I always thought that Facebook was going to become like a like an AT&T or an IBM or a Coca-Cola, that it's just a sort of iconic brand that's just not ever going anywhere. Um, No matter. I mean, there have ups and downs and. Maybe I, I guess we'll see what happens, but uh, it's I'm glad people are waking up to it. I'm I'm glad it's it's a good trend. All right, what's next?
1: Well, we got a campus story here. Uh, Marquette University's had Marquette University had a forum that called its own seal a microaggression.
0: <sighs> All right. So what's on the seal? Like, what's the problem? According- where, where is Marquette? That's in uh, Michigan, right?
1: Yes. Or is it? Or is it Wisconsin?
0: Mark? Hold it's on. in Wisconsin. Okay. It's in Milwaukee.
1: <laughs> okay. I was, I was like, ah, I don't know. I just, I know All about, right. I know about the history of the stupid, or the stupid university. So according to a professor at the forum, the seal shows how Marquette University's namesake, a French explorer uh, named Jacques Marquette, took advantage of an economic disparity to have Native Americans as his guide.
0: Okay. So what's the problem with that?
1: Well the the problem with that is that apparently it is a note of privilege of the white man over native peoples and sort of the idea that challenging those cultural norms makes the But it's what happened, people, isn't it? I, it is what happened. I mean okay wh- why your
0: like, European European explorers came to North America and a lot of times we're guided most of the time. I would argue, maybe all of the time. We're I guided I by natives. We're guided by Native Americans because they knew. And why is that even demeaning to Native Americans?
1: This is this is like the this is like the least offensive portrait I can imagine in in this t- type of situation because a lot of the uh, uh, European explorers were conquerors. You know they they yeah. came and they established rule over the land and they took the land away from the natives and all of this non and all of that type of type of nonsense. Which, by but the way, the isn't...
0: Europeans were doing to the each other too. By the way, well yes, it's time immemorial. So, but
1: but this isn't this particular thing doesn't touch on on any of that. It seems like it tried in a very. Hey, we intensity. named our university
0: after this explorer who came to this region and was guided by Native Americans. It was, it that's, was that's like the, they were
1: trying to acknowledge the fact that, that the guy they named the university after wasn't like God come right. down and took over this, this area. He, he was, was helped.
0: helped. He got some help from the locals. That seems okay to acknowledge. And also, literally what happened. Um. so uh, gosh almighty by the way speaking of microaggressions diverge from this a little bit oh, some, guy, some guy on Twitter last hour was tweeting at the Grand, Grand Forks Herald put up something I wrote just a little bit ago tweeted about it and um, this guy tweets at the Grand Forks Herald he goes can you give us a heads up when you post articles by Rob Port it angers me that I wasted a click and possibly raised the page view on any of his useless articles sad. This, guy, this guy's feeling triggered I guess um, but it, I, I think it's just kind of the same thing. It's just like, remove from my sight anything that might offend me. Um, that seems to be a very common attitude among people these days, and it sucks.
1: Well, it's amusing because the next story we're going to talk about is basically that attitude. Um, a chef in Toronto responded to vegan protesters by cutting up a deer leg directly in front of them. <laughs> The co-owner of a Toronto restaurant responded responded to animal rights activists that were protesting outside of his restaurant by cutting up the leg of deer in the window. Uh, The restaurant, which is called Antler, is well known for serving seasonal and wild foods native to the Toronto area of Canada.
0: Sounds like a fun place to go.
1: Yeah, it seemed. I, it sounds delicious, Nathiel. I well, yeah. I I love <laughs> venison, and you know there are a lot of people that would pay a lot of really good money to watch a chef butcher something that they're just about that they're about to consume. I mean, we we pay money to watch Chef Ramsay do it on TV.
0: Yeah, so it's probably not like butchering a deer usually no it, um, it was
1: it was just it was just the leg and he well he was he was butchering the leg like he had the leg and was okay
0: so it was already like quartered and
1: yeah it, he didn't have the whole deer okay. but he was he was working so was on like the butchery
0: the deer in the in the window
1: no but he was working on the butchery of, of you
0: would the meat. think vegans would want that because there's a lot of people that have no idea where their food comes from and it's it's not common here in north dakota because we're not that far removed from our agrarian roots a lot of people here grew up on the farm or they still got family that farms they know where the food's coming from Right? Like, you're, you're not that sympathetic. You would think, though, that vegans would want that. Right? Like, like just put it right out. This is where your hamburger comes from. It was this cow named Daisy. Uh, and then we killed Daisy. And we drained her of blood. And we skinned her and disemboweled her and quartered her. And then butchered her pieces. And then ground up the meat and made hamburger. Um uh, you think yeah, vegans it, would want that? Like, here's where it comes from. It might gross some people out. I don't know. It doesn't gross me out. I know where the food comes from. But you would think maybe maybe from a certain tactical standpoint, this is how gross it is, you guys.
1: <laughs> I guess maybe. Their, their tofu pro- doesn't bleed. Their protest was actually uh, related to his use of foie gras, which oh. is not a terribly ethically produced food. I don't, what, what does
0: that even mean? What is foie gras? It's, it's that's the thing where you like overfeed the ducks, right? Yeah, because
1: it, it gives them an extremely fatty liver. Okay. And then, and then you, the, it's the it's the, the liver. Yeah. Um. And so that that was what the protest started around. And what's and the, I
0: I mean, what's what's the ethical thing about that though? Like like
1: the the conditions that it takes to attain an appropriately fatty liver in an animal. Yeah.
0: Eventually, you're going to kill the duck and cut out its liver. What?
1: Well, is that it's, ethical? No. Well, well, in some ways, yes. I mean, there there's there are different methods of it's like it's like the difference between a free range chicken and a chicken that was smashed into a teeny tiny little cage until it was big enough that they could chop it up and eat it. Like you you want people don't necessarily want food to be consuming food that was not treated well during the extension of its life. I
0: would like to see some taste tests between, like, free-range chicken and normal chicken and see if people can tell the difference. It's it's not not about being able to
1: taste the difference. It's It's about, about
0: being able to just feel good about your food?
1: It's about being able to live in a way that you feel ethically responsible to the world around you.
0: Good Lord. Who has time? Who has time for this? This stuff. This stuff is a product of just how affluent we've become as a society. Where real problems like uh, I need to not live out in the snow and I need to have a roof over my head to protect me from rain and be warm and have clothing, uh, we have solved all those problems for the most part, and now we're worried about the ethical treatment of ducks that we eat. This is where we're at as a society. What a waste of what a waste of flippin' time. People tick me off. Let's wrap it up.
1: All right. You're listening to AM 970 WDAY 93.1 FM. This is the Rob Report.
0: And that's the Rundown. Welcome back. Rob Report 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM 701 293 Email talk at WDAY.com. Tweet me at Robport. Um... Last segment, Jay Thomas shows straight ahead. Emailer Scott, we were talking about the census question earlier this hour. Uh, The U.S. census is going to include a question about citizenship that's got Democrats upset. Scott asks, why are illegal people here work? If it's illegal to be here working, why are not the employers of these people ever prosecuted? Lock up the employers who hire them for one year and watch the problem disappear. If they can't figure out who is illegal or not, then they shouldn't be hiring in the first place. Well, I... I agree. We should be enforcing immigration laws on employers. I think we do. Um, maybe not as forcefully as we should. I, I think I think the issue is a lot of times the people who are hiring illegal immigrants are smaller companies um, who hire a lot of, of – have a lot of high turnover. And so I think it becomes hard to enforce it on them. But absolutely, enforce it on employers. My three-step – are you ready for my three-step solution for the immigration problem? Uh, the patented three-step
1: Rob Port. I haven't patented it yet.
0: I haven't even applied for the patent yet. All right. I I wouldn't even know how to go about applying for the patent, but here it comes. Okay. Um, One, uh, we enforce the law. We enforce the current laws on the books. Employers, illegal immigrants themselves, protect the border. Absolutely. Get tough. Um, As a matter of fact, I agree with with a lot of what President Trump's doing. I think he's deterring a lot of illegal immigration because... We're arresting a lot of them, and we're deporting them, and I think that's a good thing, and I know that creates a lot of sad, sad sob stories for, for the media to, to promote, and a lot of times you're doing tough things, but I think that's what you've got to do. you got to get tough. Second step, make it easier to legally immigrate. Break down some of the walls. Make it easier to come here because you know what? Immigration is good for our country. Bringing in the people into the into the country, it enriches us. It provides us workers for our jobs. It's, it's a good thing overall, culturally, economically, immigration is a good thing. Uh, third step, continue to foster a mutually beneficial trade relationship with Mexico so that Mexico's not such a terrible place to live. And then maybe you have fewer people who are willing to risk crossing the border illegally into the United States to get away from Mexico. Those are my three steps. That would be my approach. It wouldn't be perfect. I don't think you ever solve the problem. With illegal immigration, especially not when so much of it is around our drug laws uh, and, and is serving the, the drug black market here in the United States, you know, crossing the border illegally to bring drugs into the country and whatnot. But that would be my three. Th- the, the drug issue aside, those are my three steps. Also, maybe, maybe legalize marijuana nationally, too. That might help.
1: I, I'm a, I am on board with your three steps, but I think there is a fourth step that needs to be added.
0: I just added a 4 step: legalize marijuana.
1: Okay, well then we need to add one We're more step. Steps. We, okay, we, what's
0: the one more step? The
1: you've you've got to have a path to citizenship for
0: the people who are here.
1: For people who are here that are law abiding, or did not come here of their own on their own free will. If if someone I, got drug over here as a child, you yeah. can't you can't deport them back to a quote unquote home that. country that they've never if set foot in.
0: If I right, I'm I'm and I'm good with that. Yeah. yeah, and so I'll so make I'll make that compromise if we could get, if we can get if we could stick with the tough enforcement, if we could get tougher border enforcement, uh, if we can get those things, then yeah, I'll, I'll sign off on uh, make it easier to legally immigrate and provide a path for citizenship for the people who are already here.
1: Absolutely, I like who, who, I, who
0: are not criminals. Well, exactly. The criminal go home.
1: If you're a criminal, we, you 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 Tough. go you go away.
0: You squandered your chance. Exactly. But um, but if, you, but came if here you committed a crime, you squandered your chance.
1: But it, we have we have people here that are hardworking, law abiding citizens. Not sure. They're hardworking, law abiding, quote unquote citizens that are putting in effort they're supporting their communities and to send those people away just sounds ridiculous to me
0: all right well we've solved the illegal immigration problem in three minutes we have a couple minutes left to deal now what do we want to hit
1: uh i really feel like having some having ice solved cream that problem <laughs> there is a disturbing lack of ice cream in my life let's solve this problem next
0: <laughs> yeah you can solve that problem yourself after the show Nah, man um Let's see. Uh, oh, oh, the uh, the the person on Twitter who we were talking on the last segment, who is like, "Oh, remove Rob Port's obnoxious writings from my view." <laughs> I think I don't know. Like, if you're that person, right? Just don't read. Like, just just make a choice. Don't read. Like, you don't have to read. You don't have to. But you do have to tolerate the fact that other points of view exist in the world. Um, I don't know that I have ever sat down and just said, "Well, I." Take so-and-so out of the newspaper because I don't agree with them. If you're that person, here's some advice. Stop being that person. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. is The Rob Report. You can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.